0: My friend sent me this amazing post called like, don't you understand that this is my emotional support male celebrity? And anyone who knows me knows that I tend to lean on my emotional (laughs) male celebrity support males a little too hard sometimes.
1: Welcome to Geek Out with Angie Fiedler-Sutton, an ongoing discussion on geeky topics. Hello, fellow geeks. Angie here, better late than never. Despite my 2019 goals to get these out by the 15th, I got hit with a massive cold in January and didn't have the energy to do much outside of work. Apologies. In this episode, I talked to Victoria Malay. She and I met at a geek girl brunch in Burbank, and we both had a moment of fangirling over each other having a podcast. Victoria is one half of the team behind the podcast and website, Your Biggest Fangirl. My original intent was going to interview them both, but unfortunately the other half, Kristen Chavez, had the cold on the day of recording. I'm hoping to get to her later this year. They interviewed me back in December, and my episode just went live. Not only did I want to return the favor. But I was also fascinated by their own fangirling and podcasting journey. We talk podcasts, approaching fandom from an academic and critical mindset, and other serious topics like Toby McGuire and Darren Chris.
0: Hello, I am Victoria Male. I work in development at a production company with a fan favorite franchise. And then I am also one half of the Your Biggest Fangirl podcast, which is a podcast that seeks to explore fandom through a female perspective and celebrate fandom and also empower fangirls to have their own best fan experiences.
1: Awesome. Well, obviously the reason you're here is because you interviewed me. Yes! <laughs> and, and partly to to counter it, but also partly um, I had only been briefly aware of the podcast before mm-hmm. then. I think uh, you had mentioned it when we met at the Geek Girls yes. um, brunch. We,
0: we met at Geek Girls brunch and we were all going around and saying what we did and you said what you did and that you had a podcast. I was like, I have a podcast. We need to be friends. <laughs> I think you were kind enough to come on to our podcast. Um, It's episode 32, Angie's episode is, is 32, and we had an amazing discussion about fandom and being a fangirl from an intellectual point of view, which is something that we always try to do on the podcast, but we're so excited to have you specifically to chat about. Well, thank you. Yeah.
1: Um, well, you've been around, the podcast has been around for about a year now. It was yes. November 2017 was your first yes, episode. yeah. so a year and change. Like I said beforehand, um, I'm always interested in origin stories. So mm-hmm. tell me what prompted you to say, hey, I want to do a podcast, and then also... Why this podcast specifically? You cover some of it in your first episode, mm-hmm. but, you know, kind of go into the knee-deep of, hey, I should do a podcast, and hey, I should do a podcast about this, which are sure. might be two separate answers there.
0: Kind of. No, I think they were kind of organically, they came together. So I do the podcast with a very good, close friend of mine, Kristen Chavez, and we met in college at the University of North Carolina. We were both media studies majors there, and we both wrote on this goofy a uh, soap opera student TV show <laughs> called General College, and we bonded over nerdy stuff, that being Team Star Kid and a very Potter musical and Harry Potter and Glee and you name it. And then we always kept in touch. And then a couple years later, fast forward to 2016, Kristen, who was living in North Carolina still, I was out in Los Angeles. She came to visit on University Business, but she stayed a night with me and we had this wonderful discussion about fandom. And I just remember looking at her and being like, Kristen, I'm just so happy you're here because I don't feel like I get to talk about fandom like this with many people, where I can still be my crazy, enthusiastic passion itself, but also dive into and explore the culture of fandom and talk about fandom intellectually or the things we love intellectually. And so Kristen and I had a great visit. We thought that was going to be it. But then we found each other texting one another these articles about fandom that we found in major publications. And then, as most, I know other fangirls will relate, we would have these page-long text messages to each other discussing it and analyzing it. And then Kristen, at some point in that conversation, said, we should start a podcast or a blog. And I go, brilliant. So that was kind of the genesis. Is We wanted to produce something where we could talk about fandom, in a smart way, in a curious way, but also celebrate it and explore it and not have to hold back our enthusiasm. Because I think something we really explore in the podcast and that we explored with you in your episode is all the shame that a fangirl can feel. So that was really something that was a guiding principle when we were developing the podcast. So Because we developed it. That was April 2016. We launched in November 2017. So we took our time kind of really building what we wanted this to be. And then another facet of that is I've lived in Los Angeles for four and a half years. I work in the entertainment industry. I've had some crazy experiences. Things that I never thought would happen, like my biggest celebrity crush, I met him backstage. This is the fourth time I met him um, backstage at an event. And as we were saying goodbye, he looked at me and he's like, you have beautiful eyes. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I don't think he was, I was totally out of his like, periphery before I just, like, turned to my friends and, like, Mm -hmm. lost my mind. So very cool, very normal. Um, (laughs) So that was another thing we wanted to bring to it. We're trying to bring value and perspective, but also something practical that fangirls can take away. So I draw on my experiences the peaks and the valleys of fangirling as well as Kristen to empower and give advice for fangirls to have their own best band experiences. We have our 10 rules of fangirling which pretty much mostly applies to when you're having a celebrity encounter or kind of fangirling in the real world and then we also have a pre-convention checklist so to help you get ready for tackling a con like we have like a a packing list and like a template for a schedule. So that's kind of us in a nutshell.
1: Awesome. Well, those 10 rules are part of that first podcast. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, definitely check out That first episode. And now you you do about two episodes a month, if I was looking at your schedule correctly. Yes, we are
0: bi-weekly. Yes.
1: How? (laughs) And on top of a full-time job. How? (laughs) I have trouble doing Uh, one a month.
0: Well, because Kristen and I are, because we're two of us. And then, I don't know, I think passion, I guess. (laughs) I don't get out much.
1: You're also younger than I am, so yeah. maybe you have more energy than I do. I remember I, back in the day doing theater on top of uh, yeah, on top I, of my full time job, I and I on top of that, I was writing fan fiction. And yeah. I'm like, I, I like, I would love to have that energy back.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, they, see, that's the thing too. I don't get to write fanfic anymore. It's all my fandom energy goes to to the podcast which I love and we love doing it and then also on the weeks where we don't have episodes we're doing blog posts on our website yourbiggestfangirl.com. fangirl.com yeah but no I think Kristen and I because also this is something we talked about as women you're you're taught to self-deprecate and kind of minimize any accomplishments but I think because Kristen and I have put so much love care blood sweat and tears into this podcast and we really do believe that this could be a resource for people it kind of helps motivate us and then we've also been so lucky to have amazing guests yourself included well
1: thank you how far in advance are you usually working like uh, uh, today this is january 6th that we're recording this How far in advance um, have you recorded and, mm-hmm. and, and th- that you've planned? Like Because I've only been doing mine for about a year myself. Right. I was One of my 2019 goals is I'm going to have an editorial calendar. I'm going to oh, figure out it. when I'm going to do what episodes. Because now that I'm doing my geek girl interviews again, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want to make sure I space those out. And I want right. to space out my roundtables. So I was like, I, I better have a plan. Yes. So tell me more about like in terms of your scheduling and your planning, how right. far out you go. and.
0: It depends. In the beginning... You know, I think we had about seven episodes recorded before we launched. And then usually we record about a month-ish to three weeks out. So we have enough time to edit. Again, because it's nice because we're two people. We trade off editing, but then we have to give each other time to listen, give notes, make the final tweaks, write the show notes, all the, you know, all the... Razzmatazz, plan the social media, blah, 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 blah. So usually we're about six to three weeks out with our interviews because we also want to keep them contemporary. Um, But something else I love about doing stuff in advance is it makes all your stuff Mm spoiler-free. I also feel like there's enough podcasts in the ether doing reviews. Mm -hmm. I don't feel – and Kristen and I aren't celebrity geek girls, so I don't think our perspectives in that vein are necessarily valuable at this point in time. Though I could talk about all the Marvel movies and all the Harry Potter movies until the cows come home, um, oh my! We actually had this really funny um, text conversation about rewriting the end of Glee yesterday. Uh, so
1: I stopped watching Glee in about I want to say the third season. But I have a friend of mine who I went to USC with. She was really, really into Glee, and she she was one of those that she stuck around even though she didn't. Yeah, She could tell it was going downhill. And so every once in a while, she and I will commiserate with yes. how that show had so much potential. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it's
0: so funny because I was a diehard geek, and then I went abroad and at this time, Hulu International didn't have glee, so I stopped watching it. And I heard Kurt and Blaine broke up and I'm like, well, this show's pointless. <laughs> and then an actor I liked was on the show from Team Starkin and was like, oh, I'll watch it to support him. And it was a total godfather moment where it's like, every time I think I'm out. And pull me back in. And then i have gone back but hadn't watched season five. But then I started watching season six because my friend and former podcast guest, Michael Olivier, was cast as one of the warblers. So, And I was like, you know what? I'll give it a chance. And then I was actually on Glee as an extra. Yeah. And I was truly living as a person that day. <laughs>
1: So you said you're, are yeah, you from North Carolina originally? Or? So
0: originally I'm a Jersey girl. I ah. grew up in New Jersey, went to high school and college in North Carolina, and then literally two weeks after graduation I moved out to Los Angeles.
1: Did you already have a job in place or was it like you had a dream and you came out? With it? Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, sadly. Um, no, our university does a internship program. Okay. Chris uh, and I both did this program. They take 20 of their graduating seniors and place them in internships in the entertainment industry out here, and then that's supposed to help launch you into a job. Mm-hmm. But you're basically paying to work because yeah. you have to be enrolled that's... as a student, and uh, they give you nothing. Like, the university doesn't give you any money, um, but you're supposed to use those like two and a half, three months to find yourself something. Mm-hmm. So I interned at Toby McGuire's production company, oh, nice. which was insane because I don't think you'll understand. Like, I am. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man is, like, my everything. Mm -hmm. Favorite movie of all time. And I literally cried when I got the interview for the internship. I was perfectly composed and lovely during the interview. When they gave me the internship, I cried again, which was very (laughs) chill. And then I also interned in casting, and then that casting director ended up hiring me. And I kind of went from there, jumping from job to job until where I am now. Yeah.
1: No, Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of... Somewhat the same story as me as I came mm-hmm. to USC for school. And thankfully, uh, USC is like the mob and that uh, yes. if you know somebody who works at USC, that will get you a foot in. Same. And uh, so thankfully, most of my jobs I've gotten since then, both with startups, a good chunk of the reason I got hired was because the person hiring me was a USC right. alum as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're
0: lucky. UNC Chapel Hill, like you wouldn't think has a mob out here, but we have a... It's not like the size of the USC or the UCLA mob, but we do have a good amount of, of people that can help you kind of take your next step. And it's actually been such a valuable resource with us for getting podcast guests. Mm-hmm. So we've I feel kind of embarrassed, but I feel like every other episode we're like, and this guest is also a Tar Heel. Um, <laughs> But we're really lucky because we've had some amazing people go to our school. One of my favorite episodes of ours is Renee Adia, who's mm-hmm. a best-selling YA author. She's been on the podcast. We've had Peyton Reed, who directed the Ant-Man films, which I'm still pinching myself about. Like I don't know if that was real, but if you go listen to it. I think it is.
1: I no, I, I feel the same way about my interview with Mike Nelson yeah. with Misty and, and also with yeah. uh, Stephen Doblowski. Uh, I was just yeah,
0: like, speaking of Glee, yeah, amazing. <laughs> I was like, I know you know him.
1: <laughs> I know you probably can't talk a whole lot about your day job, what with okay. NDAs and all that, but yeah. uh, can you tell me a little bit more about what you do uh, for your quote-unquote sure. day real job? Yes, <laughs> um,
0: Yeah, I can't say too, too much, but I, I work for a director-producer, and so he has his own production company. So I work at that company. I as I think he described it to me. I take care of the keeping and feeding of him. So I do his schedule. I manage his phones. I do all of his travel. I never thought in my life that I'd know how to negotiate a private jet. What else do I do? Help. Uh, I'll help field press requests for him. And then a beautiful thing about my company is that we are all, everyone... Gets to be involved in the development process. So I actually run the graphic novel and comic book tracking for my company. So I'm looking always looking for new graphic novels that we can adapt. I go to conventions not only to fangirl and interview people, but I'm scouting for talent, which is interesting um, and really fun. And I actually really love it because it I feel it can I feel like it can seem that the only players in the comics game are DC and Marvel mm-hmm. and then maybe Image and Dark Horse, but I, this past year is when I really embraced that role within the company and I love doing it and I love expanding my horizons and discovering all these different independent comic book publishers who have amazing stories to tell and then um I'm also reading scripts and giving feedback on scripts either that we might want to make or scripts that we're in the process of making into a movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and then we
0: run around the Sony lot. And, <laughs> like Captain Marvel shot on the Sony lot and there were a lot of like across lot coffee runs. And we actually, I saw Brie Larson. Awesome. So that was, that was, I was like, oh my God, guys. They're like, Tori, just sit down. Like go back to work. So.
1: In terms of, you said you, you, you're about six weeks or so ahead of time. Do you have any terms of... I guess, long-term plans of where you want this to go or are you just kind of playing it by ear? I know a lot of podcasts myself, including, yes. I just kind of play it by ear. Uh, but right. at the same time, some people have a grand scheme over there. A what grand they,
0: scheme. Or, um, <laughs> I of, don't... I we. I think with content, we actually, Kristen and I, planned out what we want to cover for the first half of this year. Grand scheme? I feel weird saying this without her with me. I almost like want to look at it. I'm like, Kristen, are you okay with this? No, I think... What we would love to do is live shows and just being able, I think, to become more established in the geek world and get to be contributors to certain outlets and places in geekdom that we love. We can't believe we've cultivated this amazing relationship with Her Universe already in our mm-hmm. first year. They were kind enough. They gave us press passes for the Her
1: Universe fashion show, which was wild. Is that the one where um, uh, Jodie Whittaker showed up? Yes! <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's basically, if you're not familiar with it, it's at Comic-Con and it's basically Project Runway, but with geek couture. So all the amazing creations are inspired by video games or movies or Disney characters. And um, I remember they're like, oh, Ashley Eckstein, the creator of the brand, also Ahsoka Tano, came out and was like, there's one model who um, she didn't get to walk, but she really wants to walk. So we're going to let her come out. And I think, like, something Doctor Who-ish happened. And Kristen, like, whispers, she, like, grabs my hand. She's like, it's Jody," And, like, it couldn't be. And then Jody emerged and we all lost our minds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I remember right, that is on YouTube. So yeah, So I will make sure to link it in my show notes. Yay, love a good link in the show notes.
0: <laughs> I think also, right now, to just get to a place as well where we can have... The conversations we've always wanted to have with the people we really look up to so we have like our dream list and i'm so superstitious so i don't want to say their names okay then i won't ask (laughs) but like we have like our people that we would just like die to be able to have a discussion about fandom with so Mm. i think that's kind of of all the grand scheme things the things that's that feels most approachable at the moment
1: now you said you also have a blog what may what do you feel is is different about the podcast why a podcast specifically why not just the blog
0: Well, I think because the blog is just Kristen and I, and sometimes we have guest blog bloggers come on, which is fantastic. We try to keep our podcasts no longer than 35 minutes. And then the blog, sometimes that's not enough time to fangirl. So we like the blogs to supplement it and also kind of get really niche and explore things. And then also we love having conversations and discussions with people. And we don't really do that on the blog. The blog is a way for us to maybe recap our experiences where like I did a blog about going to geek girl brunch and what it meant to me and that doesn't necessarily fit into what we discuss on the podcast. I think also because we really take the time to theme our episodes around our guest. I think we're very guest focused in that. I think and we've done 30 plus episodes now and we've only had two three if you count episode 0 that have just been us. Mm-hmm. So I always say like we're here every week and we're on the blog so we rather, with our podcast, with, with the audio, focus on the person who's been so kind to give us their time. Whereas in the blog, we have a little more space to do that and also give value in, in a more
1: tangible way. Hi, I'm Jamie Clayton, and you're geeking out with Angie Fiedler Sutton. Woo! Thank you. you can find Contents May Vary, the home of the Geek Out podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vary. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at the handle Angie F. Sutton. Be sure to give me a review over on iTunes or Stitcher. Finally, I have a newsletter. Be sure to sign up for it over at AngieFSutton.com. And now, back to my interview with one half of your biggest fangirl, Victoria Male. In terms of your guests you you know you, you keep talking about some celebrities but you also have yeah. people like myself which admittedly I am celebrity. not a celebrity no also a celebrity <laughs> um do you have any kind of guide as to it's just people you're interested in or do you have like a checklist that, that you want to try and make sure they fit or
0: the vetting process is exhaustive <laughs> no <laughs> It really depends. I think it, it depends on if they can teach us something about fandom. One of my favorite guests was we had a screenwriter who's a UNC alum who was a big Star Trek fan and then got to work for MicroPillar. Ooh. At yeah. And then now is a screenwriter and has written on shows for sci-fi and did haven on sci-fi time after time like he's done some Mm -hmm. big tv shows and so that was great because we really we realized we hadn't done an episode about star trek so it's this balance of exploring different pockets of fandoms and different fandoms themselves because we've done like a doctor who focused episode we've done an infinity war marvel women focused episode and then there are the more macro conversations like the one we had with you where we jumped around and talked about all these different fandoms, but we kind of talked about what it means to be a fangirl and the misogyny, the added misogyny you face when you mature as a fangirl. Mm -hmm. For us, it's we don't keep it too rigid, but it's just kind of people who we think we can have great discussions with about fandom or mm. about a certain slice of fandom and of course we time certain episodes like we did our harry potter we could not believe it took us 29 episodes to do a <laughs> harry potter focused episode but we did that and we timed it with the release of crimes of Grindelwald. so it's a little bit uh, we try to be cognizant of what's happening in geekdom or fandom at the moment but also we again we just love exploring this culture as mm-hmm. well okay yeah
1: the questionnaire Okay. You have a questionnaire. Oh, but would uh, the would you
0: rather? The
1: would you Um, Tell me a little bit more about how you decided to come up with that, mm-hmm. why those questions, um, how, how did you, do, you know – what made you decide some of the questions? And do you have a favorite of oh, the questions? Okay. Uh, for for those of you who are unfamiliar with the podcast, is it every guest that goes every these? guest every guest gets these uh, would you rather uh, fandom questions? And it, give me a couple examples.
0: Would you rather be a hench person for Loki or Magneto? Would you rather your favorite TV show be canceled at its peak or drag on for too many seasons? This is, Kristen came up with this one. This is actually one of my favorites. Also Loki and Magneto. Mm -hmm. I'm like, loco for Loki. And so I always get excited when people answer Loki.
1: I was very pro-Loki. You were. And I'm like, ah! you,
0: You can't see it. But when people do that, I like celebrate in my chair. Would you rather be on a team of superheroes where you're the only one with powers or everyone
1: has powers except for you? I bet in the wake of Deadpool Two that has some interesting yeah. new reactions. Oh my
0: god, it <laughs> effed me up. Like, because Kristen and I answered them in our year-end wrap-up episode for 2018, and we just it like destroyed us. Because again, they're because they're fun, and mm-hmm. so we we so what really what, what made you decide
1: to do this questionnaire in so, the first place?
0: When we were kind of drawing inspirations for what we wanted the show to feel like, and. Who we wanted to base this on i actually one of our biggest inspirations was the daily show because mm-hmm. I, I really loved how f- i love how funny that show is but then you walk away and you learn something and you have an interview and it's a fun interview but you're talking usually their guests are pretty intellectual and they're talking about their books and why their book is relevant and important but then also i think this is just because i'm a theater nerd i think because we have such a wide range of guests and topics that we discuss I like having a sense of uniformity, a form of standardization in our interviews. So the Phantom Would You Rather game actually was inspired by the questionnaire. I can't remember what the name of the the guy is, but that James Lipton asks everyone at the end of Inside the Actors Studio. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I always thought that was interesting and really cool. And so I think also because Kristen and I tend to, we like to dive in deep in topics and talk about shame and talk about this and that, that it's nice to kind of end on like a lighter note because they always come at the end. Um, and because part of, I don't want to, we don't want to murder to dissect with fandom. Like we still, that's a thing. Like we can talk about fandom, we can be critical of fandom, but then at the same time, that doesn't mean we love it any less. And that means, that doesn't mean we can't have fun while we're fangirling and, and having our very intelligent discussions. So I think that was really where it came from, was giving the podcast a sense of uniformity across the variety of guests and then also trying to end things always on a fun, positive note. And then I don't really know how where the would-you-rathers came from, um, <laughs> why we made it would-you-rather, but we just started brainstorming them, and we thought they were super fun. And then one of my favorite questions as well is, would you rather see Captain Kirk as a Jedi or Luke Skywalker as Captain of the Enterprise? And those answers, you answered it, you had a great answer, we've had the most interesting answers from all sorts of people mm-hmm. and i think that's another thing too is cuz we have how we would answer but it's been such a joy to have all of our guests and we don't ask we and we do change it up a little bit i think now we have about 15 to 20ish questions and we kind of hand select 5 per guest that we feel like is relevant cuz not everyone is a marvel fan not right. everyone is the Doctor Who person. So it's oh, it just blows our mind every time to see how people approach
1: these questions. Well, it's a bit of a personality test in a way. Kind it's, of, it's, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, what sign are you yeah. in a way. Now, um, before we go uh, to the wrap-up, is there anything that you thought I was going to ask that we didn't or that you wanted to talk about and we haven't? Something that I love talking about with you on our podcast was talking about
0: Approaching fandom from an intellectual point of view and studying fandom. And I think because something that was so exciting to me with this podcast and this podcast as well, with my podcast and this podcast is being able to discover and really dissect fandom from an intellectual point of view. And I think for the longest time, people wrote that off Mm -hmm. or didn't think that this media merited that kind of discussion So that's just like the hill I'm ready to die on.
1: It it goes back to what you said is that, Mm -hmm. and this is something that I find frustrating when I see it on on Tumblr, this idea that you can't be critical of something and yet still enjoy it. Right. You can still, God bless me. I still love Sherlock as a show, (laughs) even though season four, tore out every bit of my insides and and wrapped it in a bow and and threw it away. Mm -hmm. But I still love the fandom and I still love a lot of what, what drew me to it. And I find it frustrating that people can't seem to understand that you can still be like, this season was not
0: good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or just, or yeah, it's this like all or nothing mentality. Mm -hmm. Like the group thinks like you must love this completely, or you are not a fan. It's like, to be a total geek, fangirl nerd, only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice one. Thank you. I'm here all week.
0: sir. <laughs> yeah. So so that's a, that's a big thing. And I also think something that is really important to me about fandom is I think a lot of people have just written it off as something that you just kind of watch and have fun with and that it can't be a driving force in your life mm-hmm. of, of positivity. And I think you talked about this with Quantum Leap on our show, how like, Having something like that has gotten you through things. Mm-hmm. And I I know after suffering a traumatic loss last year that like having fandom and or even just having this pursuit of fandom has really helped me grow and work through a tough time. I that's another thing that I get all up in arms and on my soapbox about when people just think it's just a TV show, but it's it's not. And and also being a fan is something you should be ashamed of where I'm like, No. My passion for being a fan and exploring fandom has led me to create this amazing podcast with one of my closest friends. Also, it's helped me at work because now I've carved out a role for myself at this company Mm -hmm. that wasn't there before. And then we also, we have a franchise. I can't say what it is, but... It also, like, just thinking of it like a fan does is interesting, and they're try. It's just so funny to me, because, like, what will people say? And I'm like, oh my god, guys, like, come on.
1: Mm-hmm. As we were talking about before uh, we recorded, you know, with regards to Harry Potter, that's a very complex situation for me, because right. I had a good friend who had committed suicide shortly after the last book was written, and um, it was very obvious that he had read that right before he, he mm. did the deed. First Fantastic Beast movie because of how it was how the storyline that was used especially with um oh the muggle or Mo, no major whatever they're calling no match uh, what, jacob jacob because yeah. of the plot line with jacob it helped with a tremendous amount of closure with mm. regards to that situation for whatever reason and yeah. now it's like i'm much less i mean i still grieve and i still miss him and i yeah. still feel guilty that yeah. i didn't do more but it was it really did kind of help with closure which is you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and just
0: like for me, it's like, cause I lost someone in my family and it's like all these people who I love are just like bringing it back to my main homeboy, Spider-Man. <laughs> like he lost someone too. And he used that to fuel him into doing good. And then also there is like the fact where you just want to like live in your little bubble world. And I'm not saying that there aren't unhealthy aspects. My friend sent me this oh, amazing God, yes. post called like, don't you understand that this is my emotional support male celebrity and anyone who knows me knows that I tend to lean on my emotional <laughs> male celebrity support males a little too hard sometimes. I think a big endeavor with the podcast with me and Kristen is just kind of opening more people's eyes to all the different utilities of fandom and also hopefully empowering and providing a haven to people who, whose eyes are already open.
1: Now, where can people find you and your podcast should they not be reading my show notes? Uh,
0: well, first of all, how dare you all? <laughs> show notes are hard and they take time. Uh, so read the show notes. Uh, but you can find us, you can find the podcast at yourbiggestfangirl.com. You can follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at YBFGpodcast. YBFGpodcast. You can find us on Tumblr, because naturally we are on Tumblr, at yourbiggestfangirl, or yourbiggestfangirl.tumblr.com. And then, for as
1: long as that medium lasts. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we
0: will go down with the ship. And then you can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, any podcatcher. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Now, for my final question, Uh-oh. I try and ask all of my interview subjects, and yes. we've already kind of touched on it, but give me one specific what are you geeking out? What are you geeky about? What are you geeking out about currently?
0: Oh, currently.
1: Mm-hmm. And then why? What, why, what about it draws
0: uh, you? Glee. I've rediscovered it. You've been, rediscovered Glee. Okay. It went are, kind are of dormant.
1: Like, isolating or are you going to do the whole series?
0: No. Um, <laughs> I kind of am going back and like rediscovering the stuff I skipped in season five because over Christmas I binge watched
1: American Crime Story Versace. I was like, oh.
0: <laughs> I know another show where this actor is
1: in yes, I, it. Yes, I have another friend who's a huge Darren Chris fan. So, so okay. what about Glee specifically interested you to begin with and made oh you decide to come back and stick with it? And I'm sure the stick back is partly because of Darren Criss, but Who
0: has never heard of that actor? I'm trying to think. It's so hard. For me, that's the hardest thing when someone asks me why I love something. Because for me, it's just like this like innate connection and drawing mm-hmm. to. I think because I was a theater kid in high school. So, represents. yes. Oh my, God, we're pounding it. You can't see it, <laughs> but um, I was a theater kid in high school, and so Glee was this amazing. Um, representation and kind of idealization of of what that process could be like. My school was actually pretty chill. Like no one was getting slushies in the face, but that was just something I loved. And I loved the character of Kurt. I think he's my favorite character and I, I loved his journey. He has the best character journey on the show. I feel like certain characters, Rachel, are given just like these like magic golden eggs where Kurt Earns everything he's given and he's had real struggle Mm -hmm. Um, because i loved rachel the first season but then i feel like they took away all of her vulnerability and i'm like i can't relate to this where kurt they only made more vulnerable Mm -hmm. and i I think chris colfer is just the most spectacular actor he's one of my worst fan encounters when i met him at a book signing at the grove i was just a mess like (laughs) it didn't go smoothly because i was just so in awe of him and then Separately, I loved Team Starkid and then to have Darren on the show because I love that they were a bunch of... Because I got into Team Starkid literally like the first couple of weeks of college. And so to see these college kids who were about my age creating their own media and creating their own opportunities and parlaying that into something like Glee was just really inspirational and really motivating. And then also Kurt and Blaine's relationship was just... Like I'm going to sound sappy, but I thought it was just beautiful and like so amazing and groundbreaking and so... Yeah, I just went full, full steam ahead. And then I think I dropped off because I had, sometimes it's really easy to hitch your wagon onto someone else's wagon who's already successful than to pull your own wagon. Mm-hmm. So I kind of caught myself doing that in a big way, I think right around season five. So I, and it was my senior year of college, so I just had to get through it and, and work and kind of set up the next phase of my life. And then this past year, I've been working really, really, really hard. And then I was sick over Christmas, which was nice because it made me kind of stop and relax and like actually watch TV for fun. That wasn't The Great British Bake Off, which is another huge fandom of mine. It's the only thing I talk about because it's all I watch. But I think me getting back into it is, I just kind of, it's like getting back into a pair of well-worn jeans and it's just fun.
1: And now it's time for Angie Geeks Out. In the episode you just heard, I talk about being a fan of Harry Potter. Victoria and I also talked Team Starkid. Additionally, in prior episodes, I've talked about my love of theater. Well, there's a glorious bit of combining that I finally got a chance to watch.
0: For seven years, a certain boy wizard went to magic school. The Puffs were also there.
1: (laughs) I can't remember how I first heard about Puffs, the off-Broadway play about a certain school of magic in England, during a seven-year period that may be familiar to you. I do know that I had wanted to catch the screening that Fathom Events did last May, but alas, I was unable to for a couple of reasons. On a different note, I had been contemplating adding Broadway HD to my streaming options, as their Broadway and theatrical productions available to view in the comfort of your own home was right up my alley. So, when in November Broadway HD had a Black Friday deal, and had just announced the addition of Puffs to their options, I Was Sold. Puffs is a heartwarming comedy about the Hogwarts house that seems to get the most flack. It's filled with all sorts of inside jokes. For example, during Year 3, one of the Puffs remarks that they're convinced that their headmaster is a completely different person. It's also filled with references to not only the Harry Potter books and movies, but also to the fandom surrounding it. During the Goblet of Fire section, for example, the headmaster makes a point to indicate he knows how to ask Harry about how his name got in the goblet calmly. It also has the glorious beauty of the person who's doing basically Snape to somehow manage to pull off both the best and worst Alan Rickman impression at the same time. Like all good comedies, it's also got its moments of seriousness. Cedric, probably the best-known Hufflepuff, still does die in the Goblet of Fire, and the story deals with something we all have to cope with, wanting to be that special one that is the hero of the story, but realizing that life doesn't always work that way. And it has one of the best morals, that Hufflepuff isn't just, quote, everyone who didn't fit in the other houses, but people who actually have a little bit of all three. It's a funny take on the Harry Potter franchise that also makes you think, which is what makes it so great. It's not only streaming on Broadway HD, but you can also buy it online at the Puffs official website, which is puffstheplay.com. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks to Victoria for taking the time for me to interview her. Also, thanks to Jamie Clayton for the mid-show plug. You can hear me interview her and some of the rest of the cast of Sense8 back in episode 33 when I managed to attend the red carpet for the series finale. A reminder that I now have a Patreon. For as little as a dollar a podcast, you can help support Geek Out and read some behind-the-scenes stories of each of my episodes. The $5 level gets you the podcast a smidge early and maybe some other goodies to come. Visit patreon.com slash Angie for all the information about it. One of the newest benefits? a name badge ribbon I bought to promote the podcast at Gallifrey One this February. And if you're in the Los Angeles area, you'll want to make sure you've signed up for my newsletter, as I'm in the process of planning a live event for later this year. Every information will be going out that newsletter. Just head over to angiefsutton.com and click the link to sign up. Next month, it's Valentine's Day, so I'm sharing the love. I'm doing another roundtable, and what other topic would be best for the holiday of love than the politics of shipping? Wanting your favorite characters to get together is not a new trend, but the internet has brought forth the concept into more of the mainstream. Whether it's a problematic ship, dealing with taboos, or just the idea of wanting the ship to become canon, there's plenty to talk about, so I brought on three of my friends to talk about it. Until next time, stay geeky. Thanks for listening to Geek Out with Angie Fiedler Sutton, The theme song is Schoolyard Haze by Yari Piknikan, available via the Free Music Archive. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike license. More information about the podcast is available on AngieFSutton.com.